This podcast provides a basic analysis and overview of the overture to Bach's um, Orchestral Suite Number no. 3 in D major. In order to make the most of this podcast, you need to make sure you have your miniature scores with you and that you follow the scores along as I speak. It is also important that you read the preface at the beginning of the scores, which has a lot of useful information, which will be really good for the context of the piece. It should also be remembered that this is not to replace your classroom notes, but something to help you revise and summarise. The movement can be divided into three main sections. The first section from bars 1 to 24 is a slow introduction. From bars 24A or B to 106 is the faster section. And the movement concludes with the return to the slower tempo from bars 107 through to the end. The slow introduction followed by a faster fugal section was conventional for Baroque overtures of the time. For example, the overture to Handel's Messiah and the overture to Dido and Aeneas. The dotted rhythms in the opening slow section are traditional of French overtures. As well as the dotted rhythms, the opening musical ideas, the motifs, found in bars 1 and 2 in the oboe parts and the first violin part are developed throughout the opening section. The movement opens in D major, which is the key of all of the movements in this suite. Bach confirms this key with the chords in the trumpets as well as a timpani roll on the tonic note. Note how throughout the movement, the oboes one and two and the violins one and two are often, often double each other occasionally with the oboes 1 and 2 playing exactly the same as violin 1 and sometimes the oboe 2 playing what the violin 2s are playing. The trumpets, however, are used more sparingly, punctuating the music at different points in the overture. Notice how the trumpets and the timpani always play together and never without each other. Having opened in D major, by bar 5, we can see the appearance of G-sharps, indicating a brief move to A major, the dominant. This move is merely fleeting, as from bars 9, the music passes through several keys, indicated by the accidentals that you can see. For example, in bar 9, the appearance of the D-sharps suggests a move to E major, or E minor, the E minor chord is confirmed in bar 10, yet the appearance of the A sharps in bar 11 indicate perhaps a move to B minor, which is then confirmed at the very start of bar 12. The appearance of the D sharp in bar 13 suggests a move towards E major, which is then confirmed in bar 14. These are of course not modulations, but a passing through chords and a hinting at different keys, better known as functional harmony. From bars 13 through to 18, the appearances of G sharps suggest an E major, which is actually only a preparation for the A major tonality, which is confirmed at the start of bar 18, E major being the dominant of A major. This A major tonality is confirmed 
by the timpani and the trumpets coming in in bar 18 and continues through to bars 24A and 24B. This opening slow section is then repeated and 24B is used on the repeat to take us into the opening of the next section. The following section from bars 24B through to 106 take the form of a ritornello form in that a ritornello section is a section which will return in different keys um, but with the same musical ideas very much like a rondo. The first ritornello section runs from bars 24B to the first beat of bar 42. As well as being the ritornello section, this section is also fugal. In other words, elements of a fugue. The subject opens in bar 24B in the oboe 1 and violin 1 part. Usually the subject of a fugue starts in the tonic key. However, because of the slow introduction which precedes this section, the subject begins in the dominant, i.e. A major. This can be seen in bars 24B in the oboe 1 part and the violin 1 part, sounding like this. The answer, which is usually in the dominant key in most fugues, appears here in the oboe 2 part and the violin 2 part in bars 25 and is actually in the tonic key, sounding like this. You will hear that the answer is simply the subject but in a different key and usually in the dominant. However, in this movement it is the other way round as explained before. Whilst the oboe 2 and the violin 2 have started with their answer, the oboe 1 and violin 1 in bars 25 and 26 play a counter subject. This starts halfway through bar 25 and sounds like this. Both the answer and the first counter subject continue into bar 27. In bar 28, yes you've guessed it, in the viola part, the subject enters once again. Like in the oboe 1 and the violin 1 part, the subject enters in bar 28 in the viola part in the dominant key. Whilst the oboe 2 and the violin 2 now play the first counter subject, but in a different key, the oboe 1 and the violin 1 move to play a second counter subject, the semiquavers played in bars 28 to 29. I'm sure you're starting to see and realise that a fugue is essentially a glorified round where different voices start one after the other in slightly different keys but take turns to play the different musical material one after the other. And therefore in bar 29 in the cello part the answer enters in the cello part and like the answer in the oboe 2 and the violin 2 it starts in the tonic. You can see that now the viola 
after the cello has come in plays the first counter subject the violin two and the oboe two are playing the second counter subject and the oboe one and violin one have started a new third counter subject these are the musical ideas on which Bach bases the rest of his melody throughout the movement these individual lines which interweave among one another can be described as polyphonic or as counterpoint both meaning the same thing the trumpets do not play in the opening of the ritornello but come in at bar 30 to punctuate the texture again as well in, as well as punctuating the texture the trumpets and the timpani also help confirm the key of the music which could be possibly clouded due to the polyphonic nature of the music on page 7 you can see by just looking at the music all the different melodies i.e. the subject the answer and the counter melodies all on this page at different points um, and in different parts and instruments this exuberant and polyphonic texture continues all the way through to page 8 and this section cadences and closes in D major in preparation for the next section the sections that appear in between the ritornello are called episodes the episodes provide a contrast to the ritornello in terms of instrumentation and texture the first episode is from bars 42 through to the first beat of bar 58 it starts in D major unlike the opening ritornello the texture is mainly melody dominated here the violin one takes precedence and in the recording that you have from Spotify it is a solo violin who takes the lead with the violin two viola and basso continuo all accompanying you can see how the opening of this violin motif actually comes from the third counter subject in bar 28 this reusing of musical material is often called motivic development as it is not exactly the same but the ideas are developed the oboes one and two do not play the same as the violins one and two as they have done in the ritornello in fact the oboes come in separately accompanying the main musical idea which is still in the first violin the oboe one comes in at bar 50 and the oboe 2 comes in at bar 51 in a purely accompanying role. The violin playing can be described as virtuosic, i.e. technically very difficult. It sounds very impressive and is quite difficult to play. However, Bach knew how to play the violin. And this kind of writing actually suits the violin and can be described as idiomatic. The semiquavers are relentless in a kind of moto perpetuo fashion i.e. perpetual motion. Notice how that in bar 50, as well as the oboes and the trumpets coming in, the violin too plays an appearance of the subject, which is then answered by the violas in bar 51. This ensures unity within the movement, so whilst the sections are different, they still have a link to each other. In bar 58, the ritornello returns. However, instead of starting each voice starting one by one, all the subjects and the counter subjects all start together in the same bar. 
This is because the listener does not need to hear them individually as they did at the opening because they will have become familiar with them already. The cello and basso continuo play the subject. The oboe 2 and the violin 2 play the first counter subject, whilst the oboe 1 and the violin 1 play the third counter subject, and the viola plays what is essentially the fourth counter subject, repeated A's. The tonality of this second ritornello is A major, the dominant of D major. However, the appearances of A sharps from bar 66 in the oboe 2 part, in the violin 2 part, and the basso continuo part suggest that we might move to B minor. This is indeed confirmed at bar 71, which is also the start of the second episode. Note that B minor is the relative minor of the tonic. The second episode, starting at bar 71, is similar to the first episode in that the violin one takes precedence. However, this time, the key of this section is B minor. The section is extended slightly, and by bar 87, the violin takes us through to the next section, which is the return of the ritornello. Once again, the individual parts of the fugue are not announced one by one, but all together, starting at bar 89. You can now work out for yourself where the subject appears as well as all the other counter subjects. This is the final ritornello and it comes to a close at the end of bar 106 when we finally return to the slower tempo that was set at the opening of the movement. You will see that in bar 107, which is the start of the return of the slower section, in the oboe 1 and the oboe 2 and the violin 1 part, they have the main motif again. This is very similar to the opening motif of the very beginning of the overture, however the melodic idea has been inverted, turned upside down. This is another example of melodic development. The final section starts in D major, the tonic of this movement. The French dotted rhythms return as well as flourishes of demi-semiquavers, for example in bar 116 and 117. The movement closes in D major with an optional repeat in the first time bar at bar 122. Whilst this podcast has been a good overview of the structure of this first movement, you are reminded that you should be consulting your notes as well.